Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This is page 873. Killed two women. What would Vashit think of my actions? What would anyone think? Exhausted from worry and lack of sleep, my thoughts spun in these circles for the remainder of the day. I set up camp from sheer force of habit and kept up a conversation with L through an effort of sheer will. The time for sleep came before I was ready, and I found myself rolled in my shade in front of the girl's tent. I was dimly aware that Kryn had started giving me the same worried look she'd been giving L for the past two days. I lay wide awake for an hour before falling asleep, wondering about Aleg. When I slept, I dreamed of killing him. In my dream, I stalked the forest like grim death unwavering. But it was different this time. I killed Otto his blood spattering my hands like hot grease. Then I killed Laren and Josh and Tim. They moaned and screamed, twisting on the ground. Their wounds were horrible, but I could not look away. Then the faces changed. I was killing Taryn, the bearded ex-mercenary in my troop. Then I killed Trip. Then I was chasing Shandy through the forest, my sword naked in my hand. She was crying out, weeping in fear. When I finally caught her, she clutched at me, knocking me to the ground, burying her face in my chest, sobbing. No, 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 she begged. No, no, no. I came awake. I lay on my back, terrified, and not knowing where my dream ended and the world began. After a brief moment, I realized the truth. Elle had crawled from the tent and lay curled against me. Her face pressed against my chest, her hand grasping desperately at my arm. No, no, she choked out. No, 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 no. Her body shook with helpless sobs when she couldn't say it anymore. My shirt was wet with hot tears. My arm was bleeding where she clutched it. I made consoling noises and brushed at her hair with my hand. After a long while, she quieted and eventually fell into an exhausted sleep, still clinging tightly to my chest. I lay very still, not wanting to wake her by moving. My teeth were clenched. I thought of Aleg and Otto and all the rest. I remembered the blood and screaming and the smell of burning skin. I remembered it all and dreamed of worse things I could have done to them. I never had the nightmares again. Sometimes I think of Aleg and I smile. We made it to Levenshire the next day. Elle had come to her senses but remained quiet and withdrawn. Still, things went more quickly now, especially as the girls decided they had recovered enough to take turns riding Greytail. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. I'm confused. Why, Jordana? Who who is bleeding? I'm he's, so, so he wakes up, she's crying against his chest, and he's bleeding? Yeah, yeah she's, she's clutching his hand, his arm really hard, like with her nails. Oh, like she's holding his arm so hard that he's bleeding. Yeah. Yeah, because his she's arm really digging he her like, nails into it. Yeah. That's insane. That's like that's a lot. Like that takes a lot of grip strength. <laughs> I mean, nails are pretty sharp. I guess. Yeah, and I guess if you haven't cut your nails for a couple of days because you've been doing whatever the fuck they're doing. Probably, and if you're, you yeah. know, deep in the throes of a panic attack that you can't, uh, you know, ease off yeah. your, your strength, if you're using your whole body, your whole body's strength unintentionally. It's certainly it's- like, yeah, wow, like that's that's crazy. And it is verisimilitudinous. As we've said before, I can't speak to the veracity of this experience of of post-traumatic stress, but nothing here seems like 
unrealistic. Nothing here breaks my suspension of disbelief. I think yeah. it's a little bit convenient that Elle comes back to her senses in time to go back to the town, but I think it's a more interesting scene if she can like talk, if she's not still catatonic at this point. I agree that it's super convenient, but I also find it kind of interesting that she's having like her sort of like her panic attack slash deal with it moment, right? Like she's having some sort of a transition moment here in, in which she is having her panic attack. Um, and and Quoth is also sort of doing that, but in a dream. Like he's he's moving, however it is that he's moving through it, he's he's doing it uh, at the same time. And I think that that is interesting. Well, I have a slightly different read because he is imagining himself essentially as the Chandrian killing his troop, right? Like he starts out dreaming about killing the people that he really did kill. And then he's dreaming about killing his actual family, the real Ra who died. Uh, and he's kind of put himself in the role of the Chandri and doing it. So that's how he, th- he is thinking of himself. And then he, he is woken up by L and she's having a bad dream about what was done to her by the bandits that he killed. And I think the conclusion that he comes to is no, I'm not like the Chandrian because those guys deserved it. So oh. I'm good, actually. I think that, he was having a, a dream of, of like terrible guilt and uh, and shame. And then he kind of pushes that shame away or, or dismisses it because he's reminded of, of the, the horror that those people that he killed inflicted on other people. Now, Jeremy, you've introduced something interesting to me. I had included into the idea that he was like dreaming of being a the Chandrian or like taking on the role of the Chandrian. I simply imagine that it was like, you know, him killing the troop that the yeah. the evil troop, but it's actually his own troop. You know but- what clinched it for me? You know what clinched it for me? He says, I remembered the blood and screaming and the smell of burning skin, which is one word away from the smell of burning hair, which we know is his post-traumatic trigger from the night his parents died. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? So yes, interesting. I wonder if this is like a step on the road to becoming a Chandrian. There's some compelling theories that Quoth has joined their, not like joined their ranks, but whatever it is that they are, that makes them supernatural. Quoth has he's, taken that on in the frame narrative or is like attempting to save that Chandranoid. off. Yeah, he's become a Chandranoid in the frame. And so maybe this is like a step on the path. And there's a bit of like uh, making the subtext text by having him dream that. Mm. Yeah, he's he's having the Chandrian uh, template applied to him. Yeah, the ten, the Chandrian prestige class. Mm-hmm. The Chandranoid prestige class, because as we all know, Chandrian is a title. It's a, a Chandrian's like a full like monster, but Chandranoid is like a template you can apply to any existing monster. Yeah, well, the Chandrian is like when you take the Harper's Oath and you join the Harpers, it's mm-hmm. like you're one of their number. But if you just like have levels in Harper, but you're not like officially a Harper, then you're a Harpoid. Yeah, like in the in the um, Star Wars D20 RPG, like you can take the Jedi Guardian or Jedi Consular class, but you don't become a full Jedi Knight until seventh level. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sort of like Chris yeah. Pine's character in the D&D movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. 
Oh, and if you're not a Harper or a Harpoid, uh, you can be a Harpo, which is a sort of sprite-like clown figure who <laughs> honks a, uh, a horn, a motor horn to communicate. Mm-hmm. I don't get this bit. I've got so many movies to show you, Jordana. <laughs> <laughs> Nick opening up the lament configuration, but it's just like a TV remote. Yeah, no, I'm I'm opening my long trench coat to reveal the uh, the the complete Marx Brothers on DVD, mm-hmm. and I do check out Marx's voice, and I say I, I don't think I can do it at short notice, but it's like, hey boss, come over here. And I don't, know, I can't, I can't forget to check out Marx. Uh, <laughs> somebody, no, I was going to say somebody going to get hurt real bad, but that's Russell Peters. What does Triple <laughs> Mark sound like? <laughs> uh, man, the uh, the cultural references are flying thick and fast on this yeah. one. Yeah. Did you, you, you want to hear a funny story? It's, or, you know, two... Actually, this isn't a funny... It's neither funny nor a story, but I have bumped into Russell Peters on two non-consecutive occasions. Uh-huh. Once at the Alexander Keith's Brewery in uh, Halifax and once at the Dog Beach near my house. Was he funny on either of those occasions? No. In fact, he uh, sort of signaled that he wanted to be left alone. Indeed. When I visibly Shocking. recognized him the first time, I sort of like widened my eyes and he did like a reverse nod at me as if to say, I recognize that you recognize me and this but... is the extent of the acknowledgement that I will give you. Mm-hmm. And I was fine with that because I'm not particularly a fan of his. I think he's a bit hacky. Yeah, he sucks, but that's neither here nor there. Although interestingly, he is known in India. It's always interesting to me what uh, what pop culture made it to India, what my, yeah. my wife is familiar with, and she did know Russell Peters. Especially like Canadian pop culture. That's a very specific uh, crossover. Yeah. Russell Peters, yes. Star Wars, no. Ooh, fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. I agree. Just yeah, in the so, same way that like, why are Japanese people so invested in Anne of Green Gables? Like, more invested than any Canadian is, frankly. It's because they teach it in the curriculum over there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're teaching Russell Peters somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Or I think what's far more likely is that Russell Peters is objectively better than Star Wars. Huh. Did well, you listen, hear that sound? That was Jeremy's death rattle. <laughs> <laughs> that was my last remaining will to live. Floating away. I'm like I'm like Kendall Roy looking at the ocean. That's I haven't funny. watched Succession yet. I was about to do a bit where Russell Peters was the, the droid delivering uh, Padme's twins. <laughs> Oopa. Oh, somebody's going to lose the wheels of live real bad. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just like all of our listeners having to endure this. <laughs> He's got like a scoop hand. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. I think there's more. Also, this is like a heavy page. Like we've got some text to to look at here. Um, uh, I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of what would be relevant on this page on our previous page, right? Like we we, you know, this this is where he kind of turns it around from his own. Like he is totally feeling guilt and feeling some remorse and and conceiving of himself as a monster until L wakes him up. And then he's like, oh, right. No, wait a minute. I What I did was good and morally correct. And I don't need to feel bad about it anymore. That guy has it coming. They all have it coming. Yeah. And I guess we, the reader, can like pack it away also as like, okay, this has been processed. If he refers to Alec again, we'll know who he's talking about. But we don't have to worry about him like having unresolved guilt over this. The guilt very much resolved. This and like, you know, I know that we often compare Quoth's potential heel turn to Daenerys in Game of Thrones. But like this really is 
you know, the equivalent of her deciding, you know what? I have played nice with these slavers in Marine for an entire book and it's gotten me nowhere. So why don't I just burn them all alive in their filthy cesspit of a city? And we as the reader are going, yes, that is what needs to happen. They have it coming. Good. Don't feel bad about it, Danny. Roast them alive. And listeners, carry that advice forward. Roast them alive on tomorrow's episode of Page of the Wind. Win. Goodbye.